this afternoon, we're going to hopefully finish this chapter. Uh, we're going to start at uh, John chapter 20, verse 19. But before we start, let me, let me just offer a word of prayer. Father, we just commit ourselves into your hands for this time as we study your word. And may it be profitable for ourselves in our own personal lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You'll have to bear with me. Uh, as many of you know, I had uh, surgery on uh, Thursday for right eye cataract. And uh, it's hard looking through uh, my trifocals on one side and nothing on the other. So uh, if I make a mistake in reading, you'll just have to forgive me. John chapter 20, verse 19. In the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Whoever sins ye remit, they will be remitted unto them. And whoever sins ye retain, they are retained. We'll stop there for right now. As mentioned last week, Peter and John went away from the tomb before Jesus had made his appearance to Mary Magdalene. They have assembled not to rejoice, but to hide. They are behind locked doors. Even though none of the texts address what was discussed amongst themselves, I think we can imagine that not only the empty tomb was talked about, but also what to do if the authorities came after them, as they maybe not had heard by then, but they will be accused of opening the tomb and taking the body away. They are distressed, undecisive, and afraid. Now by now, Peter, John, and the ladies have given their report of the empty tomb. And Mary Magdalene has stated that their Lord is alive. They do not know what to believe. It is the evening of the same first day of the week. What would you think if you saw a deceased loved one all of a sudden standing in your house with all the entrances locked? Well, that's what they were faced with. A voice announces, Peace be unto you. Looking, they see Jesus. It is not just a voice from heaven. Here is a physical being talking to them. And then he shows them his hands and his side. They had seen him crucified. And after death, a spear shoved into his side, which was not a common occurrence 
for a crucifixion. We do not know how many were in the room at that time, but as we will look at in a few minutes, there were no more than ten of the disciples. Their disbelief turns to belief and joy. It is true, their Lord and Savior is alive. Again, Jesus addresses them, Peace be unto you. This was a common greeting and had been for many years. If we were to go back to Genesis chapter 43, verse 23, it reads, And he said, Peace be to you. Fear not, your God and the God of your father hath given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money, and he brought Simeon out unto them. This is the, the same greeting that was given by the steward to Joseph's brother. Jesus said this to give them comfort, and then continues to let them know their position. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. In some ways this might seem strange, but keep in mind that Jesus had already sent them to tell others about himself, and had given power to them to heal and to perform some other miracles. He is letting them know that the work he has for them has not ended, but is just beginning, and it is with God's permission and power. To us, the next verse may seem strange, but consider the fact that in Genesis it, stated, it states that God breathed life into man. They will not be going on their own, but with the Holy Spirit, and that's where he, he breathed on them and said, uh, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Now in verse 23, Jesus gave authority to all the disciples, not just one or a few, as they were to go out into the world with the good news of the resurrection, there would be those who would accept and those who would reject the, the message. The disciples were to trust God and not man. Now it would be blasphemous to think that any man can forgive sin. Only God can do that. But it is up to believers to present the message that Jesus paid the penalty for sin. And it can and sin can be forgiven. Keep in mind that John does not record all the conversation that took place at this meeting. What he did record will be explained at the end of this chapter. It's from myself, and I want to re re read that. Uh, verse 24, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciple told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the marks of the nails, and place my finger into the marks of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, 
and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Earlier I stated that all the disciples were not in the place where Jesus appeared. Thomas was not present, and Judas Iscariot had killed himself. We do not know where Thomas had been, or even, and even though the others told him that Jesus was alive, he would not believe until he saw, and put his fingers in the nail holes and sighed. This is quite a bold statement. Let, her, let us consider this a moment. Number one, his unbelief is unreasonable. Here are at least ten others that Thomas had lived and traveled with for over three years that had seen Jesus with his nail holes inside. Number two, his unbelief is obstinate. He was looking for direct evidence, not testimony from others. Like many of the Jews that day, he wanted a sign, but did not accept it from others. <laughs> I'm kind of reminded of the story of a man on top of his house during a flood. He prayed for salvation from the flood. A boater came by, but he refused to get in thinking it would not be safe. A helicopter came by, but he was afraid to fly. The house collapsed beneath him, and he drowned. As he stood before God, he asked, God, asked why God did not intervene and save him and his house. God said, I sent a boat and a helicopter. What more did you want? Well, you get the picture, I think. Number three, his unbelief was presumptuous and insolent. Just seeing Jesus was not going to be enough. He had to put his finger in the nail holes and his hand in the side of Jesus. We call him Doubting Thomas. And there might be good reason for that. Although when it comes to it, all the disciples doubted for a while. Fortunately, Jesus, and therefore God, is not angry with Thomas or us when we doubt. Jesus appears next when Thomas is present. Once again, though the doors were locked, Jesus enters in and addresses them with peace be unto you. Then turns to Thomas and says to come touch the wounds. Here shows Jesus' omniscience. Unless he were God, 
How else would he have known of Thomas' doubt? Nor it also, and it also shows Jesus' compassion. He did not reject Thomas. I do not think that at this point Thomas needed to touch the wounds to believe. He cries out, My Lord and my God. Jesus proclaims that, Jesus, that Thomas saw him and believed. But how much better and blessed would be those that would believe without seeing. You know, that includes you and me. To say that Thomas truly believed would be an understatement. History tells us that Thomas went to India to share the good news and may have even traveled to Indonesia. He was martyred in India. Verse 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which were not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Keep in mind that when John wrote this treatise, there were no chapters and verses. I think that John wrote these words as a synopsis to declare that what is that what is written is to declare that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God and those that believe will receive eternal life through him some scholars feel this was originally the end of John's account yet through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit John added chapter 21 when we consider the, the, these two verses, maybe just verse 30, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. This could mean during his whole ministry time, or it could mean what took place just in these few days uh, other portions of scripture tell us that before he, he finally went to heaven he was around for 40 days and then many things could have been done then uh, some of which we'll look at when we look at chapter 21 but I don't want to go into that because that's somebody else's lesson but there again, when you stop and think of all that was done, uh, all the healings, you know, a lot of it's lumped together. Uh, as we, we read last week concerning ladies that were, were healed from demons and, and, and other sicknesses, it just kind of lumps them in and says, uh, these that followed were healed or or out of them were cast demons and this could be referring to that uh, what we do know is what John put together here reveals to us over and over again 
this one who we call the Messiah, who the Jews were looking for and some are still looking for, and re not realizing that he's already here, has been here. Uh, this one that, that came uh, not as a conqueror the first time, but as a sacrificial lamb. And the next time he comes, it will be as a conqueror.